Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, I would uh, love for you just to take them and turn to that verse, Colossians 3. That's where we'll be today, Colossians 3, uh, verse 12. And uh, as we turn there, uh, we start this new year, and uh, as we get ready to start, I just want to uh, invite you next week. So I remember next week, we start an eight-week series uh, on the Lord's Prayer. And I would love for you to come back as, as we unpack the Lord's Prayer, and we're calling this series, Just Pray. And how we look at our lives and ask that we would just unleash the power of God that is within us as we commune with Him. And so over the next eight weeks, we're going to explore the Lord's Prayer. So invite you back. Bring somebody with you next week. Uh, love for you to come as we begin that new series. And then if you are, uh, you're new here and you're looking to take a next step, we have what's con called Connected Friends right outside on the patio. Free lunch. I'll be there. Um, I'm going to share some things today, but I'd love an opportunity if you're new to get to meet you and uh, help you connect in this place. So if you want to join us, just come join us right outside. Uh, as soon as this service is over, we'd love for you to be there. But as we start this new year and this series, uh, I thought it would be good for us, and I do this pretty much every year, is to kind of recalibrate and make sure uh, we're all on the same page as a church. Uh, with five different services, a couple campuses, and all the people, um, Jay's doing the same thing as we take a next step. We just believe that it's good for us to, to just make sure we're all on that same page. Uh, as we do that, some of you are brand new, and I uh, am so glad you were here. And I would love for you to, to find a place in this place and uh, really sink in and be all that God's called you to be. For some of you that have been here a while, uh, and maybe you've been in a certain area of service and ministry and you're looking for something to new, uh, we really want to encourage you to just to plug in in 2018, and maybe you're somebody who's never engaged in, in anything beyond just coming to a service. Um, we just ask that today you consider taking a next step with us. And I'm going to give you some ways that you can do that. Uh, but as we unpack that, uh, the what of vision is, is always really important. What are we going to do? And I'm one of those do guys, and let's go after something, and let's set some goals. But um, the who always precedes the what. And many times we bypass the who we're called to be, and we go after the what we're supposed to do. And us A-type personalities, some of us love the what, and the who's a little bit harder. And so today, I want to start uh, with the who, and then I want to go into the, the what we're going to do. And when you talk about vision, you usually have to answer a few questions. And one of those questions is this, uh, what is the problem? Because when you set some goals and you go after something, there's a problem that you see and you want to fix that problem. The second question is, what's the solution? And then as you look at that solution, you begin to say, okay, how are we going to do it? What's our strategy? And then as we look at that, there's a third question that's really important for us. Why must something be done? And why now? And those four questions, when we answer those in vision, uh, they begin to set the strategy of what we're going to do around here. But this morning, Colossians 3 begins to unpack the who we are as friends. If you know anything about this, this letter, Paul was hanging out with this new group of people that were followers of Jesus, and, and they were, were starting to understand they had a new identity. And Paul came in, and he basically said, hey, the old way of life, it, it needs to go away. And here's, here's who you were. And he begins to, to say, hey, get rid of sexual immorality and lust and all these other things. That's the old person. That's your human nature. And then he goes on to a second list, and he said anger and malice and jealousy and lies. He said, knock it off. <laughs> and then he comes to this section and says, but this is who you're supposed to be. He said, you're now alive in Christ. You have accepted Jesus. This is 
what I'm asking of you. And he starts in verse 12. And he starts with, therefore, let me tell you who you are. You are God's chosen people. You are holy and you are dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And I love that. And be thankful. He says, Here, here's who you are. You're no longer those things I mentioned, but you are now dearly loved. You are holy. You are set apart, not by anything you did or didn't do. It's all because of what Jesus did for you. This is your new identity. And he comes and he says, I, I, I want you to put on something. And he lists those five characteristics. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He wants you to put on something. And he uses this analogy that we all can relate to. This morning when you got up, you went into your closet and your drawers and you said, what am I going to? It's full participation this morning. We all kind of agree. What am I going to? Oh, what am I going to wear? Yes. And you only have two shirts and one pair of pants, so it's not real tough, so you just put them on. I wore my vest because it's really cold outside in January, so we're all acting like it's cold and kind of bundle up. What are you going to wear? And he says, listen, here's what you all need to understand. You need to put on compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility, patience. Because guess what? That's not who you are. The other two lists in your humanity and in your sin and in your humanness, that describes you. <laughs> but now here's what I'm asking. You've got to put something on. And what you're putting on actually every day when you get up, you're putting on Jesus. <laughs> and he says, put on Jesus. Because in your natural man, all those things, they don't come natural. And every morning when you get up and you, you get dressed, it's the same thing with your walk with Jesus. You've got to put on some kindness. got to put on some gentleness. got to put on some patience, some compassion, some humility. Some of your personality has been that way a little bit. But the nature of Jesus, this is who he was. And he says, put this on. How many of you have ever been invited somewhere, but you have felt very unwelcomed? Anybody? I hope it wasn't your family's house for Christmas or anything. But you get invited and you're all pumped up and excited and you get there and then you're like, nobody talked to me. They had absolutely no food I liked and no drink. This was awful. And you're just uncomfortable and sometimes you leave. Uh, most of you know what this is, right? This is a welcome mat. First service laughed really hard at that, Scott. It didn't work this service. It was a welcome mat. Maybe it was my inflection. And I said, that was such a good joke, I'm going to use it again. And nobody laughed this service. <laughs> so welcome, Matt. <laughs> awesome. Comedians love when they have to tell the same joke two or three times before people laugh. 
this is something that you have at your door. I pray that when people come to my house and it says welcome when they come in, they actually feel that. Most of you clean your house. Clean the toilets when people are coming over. Light some candles. Make some good food and drink. You just don't invite people over. You actually welcome them in. And most of the time, there's kindness. There's gentleness. There's this warmth that happens. Paul says to this group of people, he said, hey, listen, we've got a lot to do for the kingdom of God, and it's going to be awesome, and you're a new church, and we're going to rally, and God's going to move, but, but let me just tell you something. It's way more important who you're becoming than what you're doing. And, and, and the who always precedes the what. And if you don't get the who right, what just isn't going to matter. And he says, put on these things. So you put on Jesus. I, I do lots of weddings, and, and I did lots of weddings. I don't do as many now. Uh, and, and, and as I do them, I, I sit and I talk to people. And sometimes people would say that their spouse or their spouse-to-be, they complete them. And I say, no, they don't. Because they don't. They might compliment you, but they're broken and a sinner just like you are. And two broken halves do not make a whole. Okay? You come together in your brokenness. They do not complete you. They complement you. Only one completes you, and that's Jesus Christ. And if Jesus isn't at the center of your marriage, and we all know this, there will be no completion. And you two coming together is a compliment, and that is awesome, and God uses your strengths and your weaknesses, and you come together as one, but it is with Jesus as the center. I love to go uh, in, sometimes into, into places and shop, like at a Best Buy or something, and I look at the table that just says, as is, or it's the open box. Usually that means cheaper, right? It's just cheaper, so I'll look at it, and what they say is, as is, you have to take it home, and you never can bring it back. Because it's as is. So you're taking a risk. Many times people just didn't like what they bought, so they bring it back. Sometimes there's a flaw. Sometimes something's broken, and you don't know it till you get home, and then you pull it out, and you go, ah, I know why it was as is. And with that brokenness and that flaw, once you get it home, then you go, man, I want to take it back. <laughs> Too late. You know what that's called? Marriage. You get married, <laughs> and you, you say, I do, and then you do a lot of I don'ts, <laughs> and, and God says, wait, 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 time out. As is, it's the open box, and in marriage, sometimes we say, I want to return, <laughs> and God says, no, I'll put you together to complement each other, and I'm asking you to turn to me to complete you. And to help you. In church world, we do the same thing. See, this analogy I've used in marriage is because it, the, the church is the bride of Christ. So we will come into the church and, and it, we come in and it's as is. And yet when you, you come in, sometimes we go, oh, I didn't know they did that. I didn't know it was this or that. And then in church world, sometimes we choose to go somewhere else. 
And I say all the time, that, that's really great. The, the, the greatest thing about California and Southern California especially is there are a number of fantastic churches within five miles of here. Just awesome. And, and yet I look and I say, wait, we're supposed to be a family, so what do families do? When we don't like something, do we leave? I always say to people, you know what, if God's moving you and he's calling you somewhere else, I am 110% behind you. God bless you, and we will support and pray with you. But sometimes we run away from things when God actually has something for us in the midst of things that are uncomfortable sometimes, or things we might not like. <laughs> I know in my family, the five of us, there's things that my kids and my wife don't like much about me. I got some rough edges. But as a family, we're doing our best to work through those. And, and Paul says, as a church, as the family of God, when you come together, here's what I need you to do. I need you to put on these characteristics. Can you imagine what it would be like to walk into a place that was full of compassion and kindness and gentleness and humility and patience? In the larger part of the church, when we walked in and, and we were people that began to forgive one another of our grievances when something is wrong. I just talked to a man who he was walking through, a, last service, he was walking through a divorce, it looked like. Somebody challenged him to go pray with his wife that they were separated. You know, he did, he took her gift, and on Christmas Eve, he, he prayed over her. Okay, she had just left him, okay? Love this dude. Prayed over her. And he just sat there and he just told me, um, I just got an, an email, me and my, my ex, she said, let's put the divorce on hold, and we went to a movie, and we went to dinner, and we're taking a next step, and I said, oh, this is going to be good, because God is the God of reconciliation. See, God is the God that brings two <laughs> broken pieces together, and he says, if you trust in me, and, and you do it my way, and he showed compassion, and kindness, and humility, and gentleness, and patience, when she didn't probably deserve it, I don't know any of the story. He might not deserve it either, but that isn't the issue. He put on Jesus, and he walked to her door, and I'm assuming he grabbed her hand, and he prayed over her, when it's probably the last thing he wanted to do. And Paul says, listen, everybody, if you could figure this out, you won't be able to keep people out of your church. And he says, over these five things, if you could put on love, and that's not mean put on or fake, it means put it on, that Jesus is the center of everything and it is about him, that things would be different. I love this scripture because it tells us who we're supposed to be as God's church. And when we could live out those five characteristics, the what we do, it almost becomes kind of insignificant because we're rallying together of love and we believe God's called us and we're a family and we're going to go for it with everything that we are because we know that there are a few problems in our world that need to be solved. And as I look at that, I ask myself, what are the problems that need to be solved? What do we need to do now that we know who we are? And as we know who we are, I want to remind you before I go to the what we do. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. 
which means you are not limited to your potential in 2018. You are empowered by the very presence of God Almighty that dwells in you. And there is no limit to what God says he wants to do in and through you. That's why Ephesians 3.20 is one of my favorite prayers that says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ever ask or think or imagine. Not for us, but for his glory. Not for now, but for future generations. And he says, 2018, if you could put on Jesus, the world will be different. And I just think this community of believers would be different. I was reading in my journal back in 2008 over the holidays, and I was just looking back at things I had written. And, and one of my prayers was, God, would you let Friends Church have a mark in the community that marks it for Jesus Christ? And we would just have a mark in the community that would mark it for Jesus Christ. And I don't know if we're there yet, but we're, we're, we're headed there, I believe. But I said, what's going to mark the community is what marks us in here. That if we begin to be Colossians 3, the mark will naturally happen, not in here, but out there, because it's who we are becoming. And as we create these communities, and as we go forward with what God's asked us to do, I want you to know that our vision and our mission statement is as vital and as important today as it's ever been. That we're becoming a community of authentic Christ followers. That we would be compelled to change our world. And I think becoming this community is Colossians 3. That to put on love, to forgive as the Lord forgave, and bind this all together in perfect unity that the love of Jesus would live in and through us. So what does it look like in 2018? I love this quote by Louis Giglio. He says, the mission of the church is that every single person on planet Earth would hear about the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Until that happens, the church has unfinished work to do. It's estimated around the world that there are more than 150,000 people that die every day. 4.5 million people a month. That number exceeds the population of Los Angeles, and the vast majority of these people pass away without knowing the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's a problem for us who are called to go, to make disciples, to share the love and the hope of Jesus. That's a problem. Second problem is this. The world today doesn't look to the church or to Jesus as its solution. It doesn't look to us as the solution for hope. That's a problem. And I looked at those two problems and I said, for us, what are we going to do about it? See, having a vision usually isn't the problem. It's the strategy behind the vision. Because once you tell a strategy and here's what we're going to do, what you are saying is here's what we're not going to do as well. And it brings clarity to the vision. And we can't do everything. But we can do a few things well. And so we're going to do our best to do that. So our strategy comes out of that vision statement. And it is a 3G strategy of gatherings, group life, and global freedom. We believe as the church we're supposed to gather we just know it's not going to be limited to this space for one hour on Sundays, two hours on Sundays, whatever it is, Saturday nights. We believe that there is more to that. Out of that, we believe that you, as individuals, have a responsibility as followers of Jesus. That when you put on Jesus, compassion and kindness and gentleness and all those things, that people begin to wonder what's different about you. 
And they begin to ask or they begin to investigate or you have an open door to share the good news and the hope of Jesus. So we have said that over these next 10 years, by 2026 or so, that 8,001 people are going to come to know Jesus because of the ministry of this church, which means that each one of you will win one person to Jesus Christ over the next 10 years. One person. And we believe that's an attainable goal, that all of us could begin to pray about one person that's far from God. With that, we also believe that we were going to plant five English-speaking campuses and five Spanish-speaking campuses over the next 10 years. And we planted Orange, which is really cool because at our Orange campus, they're getting ready to start Bible studies for Amigos, and that second campus is getting ready to launch in Spanish-speaking. But today, they've gone to two services because they can't handle the crowds they have for one service anymore. So Orange started today with two services. And Jay is really, yeah, you can clap for that. That's exciting. And our team's really excited, and we're amped because they just finished their new children's space down below, and they're getting ready to furnish that, and got a great space. But Jay was really nervous, and he called me, and he said, I'm a little nervous about going to two services. And he said, um, uh, will you help me? And I said, sure, I'll help you. So here's what Jay and I talked about. Some of you have said, hey, I would, uh, I've wanted to go over to Orange and check that out. You've come up to me and said, hey, I need to get over to Orange. I need to check that out. Well, here's what I want to tell you. I really want you to go check it out in the month of January. Because you need kind of a, a mass of people in the room to kind of help. We sent 150 when we launched that campus, and uh, a lot of them stayed, some of them came back. Here's the deal. If you go check it out and visit it, you got to come back, okay? Got to come back. <laughs> no, you can stay. I don't care. It, it's all part of us. But uh, we'd love for you to go in January, just once. And I'd love for you to go up to Jay, and I'd love to tell you, I go to the Orlando campus, but we're with you, and we're praying for you. And you just show up, and you fill a seat, 9 or 11 o'clock on Sundays. That's when their services are, all right? And if you want to double dip, that's cool. You can go there at 9, come back here at 11. Um, we would love that. But go, okay? So will a few of you go? Yeah, yeah that was great. Uh, I had like two people last night, and then, yeah, I had to get them fired up. So just go. Come back, but go. And just pray for them. Because it's been amazing to watch what God has done in that campus. They raised $1.5 for their campaign. Um, they were up 51% at Christmas Eve, I told you. God's just doing great things with our team there, and we're excited. Now, the next step is we're going to plan another campus this year, and we already raised the money for that campus uh, last year. And it looks like uh, if God allows, we're going to go to Anaheim, and we're going to ask 150 of you to go. And 150 of you are going to get up out of these seats, and you're going to go. And we're going to have seats that are empty here, and we're okay with that. Because we want you to go, and we want to plant in a new place. So we'll be talking more about that. But we have a second thing that God has done and came up with. And we have a, a, what's called a value, and it's called riskovation. And we created this word. Um, it was called riskovation. And it is risking everything to follow God with courageous innovation. And, and so as we do that, we just felt like God was, was calling us to, to go into different places. Now, I've told this story before, but uh, a few years ago, I was speaking in Cleveland, Ohio at a church, and uh, they were helping us in India and doing some stuff, but my first time meeting the pastor of the church. I walk in on Sunday after they had just had turmoil, and some things happened, and the pastor looked at me, and I've told you some of this, but he just said, I almost called you and told you not to come, because he said, I'm just so sad about some of the things that have taken place and transpired. His wife cried the entire sermon that I preached. I don't know if it was because I was bad or if it was just that she was really sad. I think it was really sad because I hung out with her and her husband for about four hours that night. And he said, I think we're done. I can't do this anymore. 
And I just looked at him and I said, you're not done. I said, God hasn't given you another place to go. So you're running from something and not running to something. And God always has some place for you to go. Sometimes you're not sure, but you have a, a spirit leading and you don't leave in turmoil. Shepherds don't leave in turmoil. Shepherds stay. And they hang on and they persevere because they're shepherds. And I said, if you're a shepherd and you love those people, it doesn't matter. It could be chaotic. Trust me, I've been there. <laughs> but you stay. And he stayed. And we sent them because our elders said, we're going to bless this church. Children's and music people for five weeks straight. And we paid for them to fly and their hotels and their cars and their salary. And we took care of them. Aaron Blanton, who is our worship leader, moved to Nashville. He's still going now, two years later, twice a month. And he provides all of the music from people from Nashville for that church in Ohio. That church is stabilized. They're doing great. They, the pastor Dan and Joy, were in India with me. And they said, um, our church would not be alive today if Friends Church hadn't stepped in and saved us. He said, there would be no church in northern Ohio. And that was you. Why is that so important right now? Well, here's the deal. After two years, they felt God was moving them. And we had been talking, and I said, you know what? You have stabilized it. It is healthy. If God's moving you and you have peace and you want to transition it well, maybe it is God. They weren't sure exactly where he was moving them, but when we went to India, we were riding on a long ride to the Taj Mahal. And I said, why don't you become a part of Friends? And what if we had a campus somewhere out of the box? What if we had a little risk evasion? What if God actually called me to that church two years ago, not to preach, but to do something beyond our imagination? And so they flew out here, met with our elders, met with our leadership team, uh, and it all kind of came around where Aaron was and where they felt God was moving them. But it looks like in 2018, all of the details aren't finished, but we're going to start a campus in Nashville, Tennessee, and we are going to plant a campus there. Now... That's cool. I need 150 of you to go. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. <laughs> Literally. Family last night said, um, we're buying a house in Franklin. We're going to live in both places. You can stay there anytime you want. Um, your staff can stay there anytime they want. I had another family come up and said, we're moving to Nashville. I want to help plant this church. Had another guy come up and said, we have an extra house here. We're going to sell it because we're retired. And if you want us to go, we'll go and help start that church and we'll buy a house in Nashville. Okay. You might think, oh, that's, that's good coincidence. I don't think so. When God begins to stir and he begins to do something that only he can do, the question is, are, are we going to step out in faith and do it? And some of those things might not work. And I'll come back and I'll say, guess what? I think I just heard me or my dinner last night, but it wasn't God. <laughs> but I'm telling you, we didn't go to Ohio and do what we did for it just to stop at a random service. So we are getting ready to take that step and see what God does. That's gathering. In this place, we are building places of connection and community. 
As you know, um, we sold Home Ranch, big piece of property, moved all of our staff. They start moving in tomorrow in the basement. I'm pointing down there like you know where that is. The basement, under here. So our staff are moving down there, and we're getting ready to build this new creative space, uh, connection space called the Pavilion. You've seen the sign that says, coming soon. Uh, just so you know, our plans are in the city of Yorba Linda. If you have ever remodeled a house in the city, you understand what I mean when I say they're coming soon. I have no idea when soon is, but we have our part done. Now we're going to be in process and plan check. We are praying here in the next few months that gets accomplished and we can start moving forward. But that's going to be about 13,000, 14,000 square feet of connection space and community space because we don't believe we're a church that's just going to gather for one hour and go home. But we want to create spaces and environments where you can come and connect and have community. People need to be known and to know that they are loved. And in this world today, we want some of that to happen on our campus. So we're creating that. I got to get moving because I talked too long on the other thing. Group life, second thing. So those are gatherings. We have group life. We believe 75% of you need to be engaged in a group. And we have two ways to get involved. For those of you who are skeptics or have never believed or still investigating Jesus, uh, we have what's called Alpha. Alpha begins February 1st. For those of you who have friends who are skeptics or atheists or people who are far from God, this would be for them, and you can take them there. It's a nine-week opportunity to have dinner together, to watch a video, and to have conversation, to ask questions in a safe and comfortable and non-threatening, judgmental environment. And I just want to tell you, people are coming to Christ, and we are excited and praying about this. So February 1st, Alpha begins. You can go online and check out more about that. The next one is Rooted. And these for you who are new to our church and have not gotten connected, but Rooted is your next step. We've sent over 2,500 people through Rooted, and it's a 10-week experience on your journey of connecting with God and with each other. But if you're only attending on Sundays, we want you to take a next step, and we want you to get in a group, and this would be your next step in Rooted. And we have a family in this church that moved here this year from Colorado. Hardly knew anybody, but God used this place to solidify that they didn't just move here for a job. They moved here to be a part of a community called Friends. So I'd love for you to take a look at the screens and listen to their story. Well, we're Wayne and Michelle Sanner, and after living in Colorado most of our lives, we were searching for something more and something different. When we came to California, we were looking for a way to get connected with other people, a way to get to know the community. There was an opportunity that we had heard about through the church that was called Rooted, and went, okay, well, maybe that's a way to get connected. It was a large church, and I wanted to make sure that we had an opportunity to find connection, and I think that was something that, that maybe we had struggled with in the past, and so when Rooted was introduced to us, it seemed perfect. It, it seemed like the right opportunity for us to connect with, with people on, on a much deeper level, uh, and it, it was everything in that and more, just in the way that we were brought together um, where we're at in life and having that opportunity to uh, connect and build relationship was, uh, was really powerful. We had amazing rooted leaders. I, I think it's incredible the thought that's put into to forming those groups of people. We wanted to connect more with each other and connect with God in a different way. And rooted was something we had never church in Colorado. I had no idea that this move was what God had planned to, you know, take us from Colorado to California. 
I'm so excited about next year and many years to come. Uh, being a part of this church and this church family, I'm excited about giving uh, and serving. I I'm just so incredibly thankful for the connection, and I, I look at that, that entire journey, and I go, this is why we're here. Th this is why we made a move. So our next Rooted session starts January 14th. Today, you can sign up in the back. They're waiting for you, and I just tell you, do it. Um, you will not regret it, and 10 weeks will go by like that, but you will have connections, and you will be connected to this place in a way you could never imagine. That's Group Life. Last is Global Freedom, what we do around the corner, around the world. Uh, if you've been here a while, you know we want to care for every foster kid in Orange County. Uh, we're going to be a part of uh, what's called 2020 with a bunch of other churches. By um, 2020, we want every foster kid to be placed in Orange County in a home. And we are going after this with a bunch of churches, and we're going to say um, to the world that we care and we love those who might be seen as marginalized, but those who God loves and created in his image, and we want to find them a place. And so we're going to continue to go after that. We're going to continue to build schools and sponsor kids in India. But one thing that came up this year that we weren't expecting uh, was, again, that, that God gave us opportunity to be a resource church. And what do I mean by that is, uh, if you were here a few weeks ago, we announced that uh, I had gotten a, a job to partner with this as being the, the superintendent for the Friends Denomination, which means there are 44 other churches uh, in Nevada, uh, in Arizona, and in California. And for us as a church and as a staff, we now have been praying for 10 campuses, and God has somehow multiplied that to 44 other churches that we have a chance to influence and come alongside of and partner with and help them be the church that God's called them to be. And we're excited because he's calling us and he's calling all of us together to be that resource church. I am excited. Uh, it's overwhelming, and I don't know what it all means, but it is to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we ask. And so for us, we're going to step forward and do what God's called us to do. And so we're excited about what's going on in Gatherings Group Life and Global Freedom. And as you look at that, I have just four things I would ask you to do as we close today. And they're really simple. The first one is this. I want you to pray. Would you pray for us and with us? That God would do what only God can do. The second prayer is I would like you to specifically for 2018 have a person that you would pray for. And then you would write that name down. And who is that person? I don't know. But it is somebody that you could begin a conversation with that might be far from God. You know what I found out in my years? That when you ask somebody if you can pray for them, they usually don't ever turn you down. Now, I'm not talking right in the moment that in your cubicle you can go lay hands on them and pray for them. I'm just saying that if you saw a need or if you saw a burden, if you saw somebody hurting, you could just say, hey, this week, do you mind if I pray for you? Even atheists want to be prayed over. And in moments of hurt and desire and, and brokenness, people say yes to prayer. And it gives you an open door to maybe someday come back around and have a conversation. But I'd ask you to begin praying about who's the 8,001, who's the one in your life that in 2018 you would love to see God change their heart. The second thing I'd ask you to, to decide to do is that I would really love you to think about serving in this place. Uh, you would consider about being on a team. If you're not on a team on the weekends, man, we got children's, we got students, we got uh, stuff going on outside in parking lots and, and greeters and coffee shops, and we got teams all over the place. If you're up in the corner and you're next generation, you're a student, we need you. We want you to serve one hour, we want you to come to church one hour, we want you on this stage, we want you ushering, we want you in the nursery, we want you wherever you can use your gifts. 
because we need you. And for us to be the family, all of us have a place to serve. So where are you serving? The third thing is that you pray and that you serve and that you join. I've already told you about that. Join. Get in the group. Go sign up today. Don't delay. And the last one is that you would give. That you give of your time, of your talent, and of the treasure that God has given you. That you would support us in those three ways to help us move forward this becoming a community of authentic Christ followers. I began thinking, and I, I gave you these cards, and if you have a card that you got when you came in, I'd love for you to take that card out. And in this card, it kind of says who we are as a church. So if you want to know who we are, this is it. If you're coming and you're new, this is what we want to be. In this church, we do second chances. We do grace. We do mistakes. We do real. We do I'm sorry. We do patience. We do hugs. We do love. And we do family. If that's the kind of family you want to be a part of, that's us. And I can guarantee this. We do mistakes really well. I hope we do patience really well. I hope we do hugs really well. But we are walking this journey with you. And I just think Paul says, hey, you guys, put on Jesus. And it would be reflected in this. So this is a church that we would like to become. When you step out in big vision, there's things that, that God does, and then there's some things that don't stay the same. I think with the changeless message of Jesus, the church has to ever be changing. And what we did 10 years ago, 15 years ago, doesn't work today, and it won't work in five years or 10 years. Church sometimes isn't comfortable, and part of my job is to, to make it a little bit uncomfortable because I'm supposed to take you out of your comfort zone and stretch you and help you see that God has something more than just coming and sitting in a seat. And when we made this move and started this vision and we took on the denomination and the elders and, and our leadership team said yes to this, we made 21 different moves in our organization. We reshaped jobs, we rewrote job descriptions, we offered people some jobs that they didn't take. And there was transition. And I just want to let you know, for me, it was painful. And there's misunderstanding and there's junk that's said that's just absolutely not true. And all of that you deal with because that's just part of it. But I just want you to know, for some of those that were hurt and some of you that might have been in that, we're sorry. That is never our intent. But we believe God was calling us to something. And we had to restructure to go after the vision God has called us to. And I say all the time, someday somebody's going to come and tell me my job's done here. And I pray when that day comes that I walk in compassion and kindness and humbleness and patience. And I pray for all of us that we will together be the church God has called us to be. My prayer is in 2018 that when people walk in this place, they just won't be invited, but they would actually feel welcomed because you put on Jesus. And I just believe when you put on Jesus, you can't keep the seats empty. Because when Jesus is exalted, people gravitate to him. So let's be that church. Would you stand with me? God, thank you for today.
Thank you for your calling in our lives. Thank you that you have given us something that cannot be accomplished unless you show up. Thank you, God, for uh, the next generation of leaders and students that you are preparing right now to take this pulpit, to take this stage, to be executive pastors and children's pastors and student pastors. Thank you for those that you are preparing right now today to go outside of here and make a difference in your world in 2018. Thank you for those college students that go back to their campuses tomorrow, that God, you would empower them because in 2018, as a follower of Jesus, your spirit lives within them and it has nothing to do with their potential. It has everything to do, God, with your power and your presence in their life. May God, we become who you want us to be this day. And as this community makes a mark inside of your love and your grace, may it be taken outside. God, you are welcome here. We lift up your name, we praise your name, and your name only. And God, as we close this service, we invite you in 2018 to be present, to be our focus, to recapture our imagination and our heart, to do exceedingly more than we could ever imagine, because God, you are in this place, and this is your place. So we exalt your name today, and we thank you once again for your son, who gave everything for us. And it's in his powerful name we pray these things. Amen.